And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on today's experience. It's wild and wonderful. What's going to happen? We have no idea. Let's sit back and enjoy the ride. Can I get a Wowser Bowser Wednesday? Because God is in charge of this crazy bus called the Christian Journey. First, we have discussed the favor, which is justification, the fight, which is sanctification, and the future, which is glorification. These are the three tenses of salvation. To miss this is to misuse or abuse a multitude of scripture and develop lousy theologies. Do not miss that salvation is past, present, and future. Next, having said all that, knowing that I wrote one of my master's theses on one of these very points, we examine the middle one, not the finger, but the theology. It has to do with the struggle that exists inside of us believers, as the Apostle Paul mentioned when he wrote, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. And finally, there's a difference between position and practice. There is a difference between divine declaration and early, earthly manifestation. A perfect example is understanding the penalty of the law. Jesus came to set us free from the penalty of the law, which is death. But as we witness the early manifestation and the earthly manifestation has not been fully realized or Christians wouldn't die. Okay, see? See how that one works? So positionally, all good, but practically, we need to learn that patience is not just for doctors. David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. Politics, entertainment, and current events. Personal revelations. Spiritual observations, my life's insanities and oeve, so much more. Hey, 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 that's four of us. Hey. Hey, there's five. Hey, what do you think? <laughs> you can email us, david at he must org. That's david at he must org. David at he must org. You can text us at 214 210 8483. That's 214 210 8483. Or you can also call us, 972-445-0770. That's 972-445-0770. When you call 972-445-0770, you will get Captain Chris. And then you will be... There you go, and here it is. You might have a thought, an opinion, a question, a comment. It's not a kvetch fest. Not a kvetch fest, which means everybody calls up and goes, meh, meh. That's not what it is. 
It's an opportunity to encourage and strengthen and bless one another. You take Hebrews 3.13 and Hebrews 10.26, not difficult. We daily encourage one another as we see the day approaching, and that's what we do. We're not your church. We're a fellowship, and we hope we're a blessing for you. I'm not your pastor. I'm your brother, but that can be good or bad depending on what mood the family is in. Right? So yeah, that's kind of how that goes. Here is the uh, real essence to the whole process. You might have a prayer request or a praise report. And what we encourage you to do is share that. Because when you have a praise report, it blesses other people. It encourages other people in their faith. When you have a prayer request, you combine other people's faith with your faith, and then there's more faith, and now you're praying with more faith, and a better result often emerges. And then there's also that part that we call Bible trivia. Here we go. Simple question. Talking of the church, Paul says, I planted the seed. Who does he say watered it? Ooh. Paul said, I planted the seed, so-and-so watered it, and God gave the growth. Who is that person that he makes reference to? If you think you know the answer, you can call in 972-445-0770. The only hint I'll give you is there was a significant Star Trek episode that had to do with this. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. You can also text in 214-210-8483. You don't want them all to be easy, do you? And then you can also send an email, David, at he must increase. Dot org. Kirk nailing it down. Yes, sir. Good job on that one. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, is there anything else I'm missing? I just feel like I'm missing something. Like my brain is, you know, A couple missing. of marbles, but that's it. Okay. For those that do not know, at uh, 152, I tried to almost do an exit because I thought it was 157 or something. And okay. That's right. You know, I need more prayer. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. I'm going to blame everybody else but myself. Okay. All right. Let me uh, go through this. This is a rather uh, fascinating study. I'm going to challenge a notion that some people are going to have a hard time with. It's not because I don't like you. You don't have to agree with everything I say, but if you disagree, you're wrong. No, I'm kidding. Here's, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Have you ever noticed that inside of you and inside of me, there seems to be tremendous conflict? There's a part of you that is just like, I want to do the things that the Lord wants me to do, and I want to do them right. Then there's this other part of you that is like, okay, I really want to do the wrong things, and I just want to enjoy them, and I don't want to hear anything about it. Okay, Now, everybody goes through that. And don't tell me you don't go through that, because if you do, I can already tell you the next lesson is thou shalt ne'er not bear false witness. So bottom line is there's a struggle, an internal struggle. And Paul mentioned this in his writing more than one time. In fact, it's mentioned by Peter. It's mentioned by James. And it's understanding that there is this thing within us where we are the part of us has a flesh that fights against the spirit and the spirit that fights against the flesh and it's a constant warfare that takes place and there are times where the flesh wins and there are many times and even more times where the spirit wins so what's going on and what's taking place and it's very simplistic 
while the old you has been positionally crucified, the old you still exists from a practical point of view. I will read you the passage and encourage you to study it as such. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You don't have to be a theologian to figure out, okay, there's an old me and there's a new me. And the old me, not one that's really responding to the good things of God. The new me, that one's responding to good things of God. The old me, I have positionally doing fantastic with. However, as you look at verse 22, you find out that the old you is still being corrupted, even though positionally it has been crucified. And you think, well, how can you know that's true? By empirical evidence, when you revert back to things that you shouldn't do, isn't it amazing that you pick up right where you left off? <laughs> it's not even It's not even hard. It's like, oh, yeah, this is easy. And the problem is the old you still being the old you, still being corrupted, and you are tell you're told by scripture, put on the new you, don't put on the old you. You don't have to put on the old you, but if you do put on the old you, it's a mess. And it's even messier now than it was before. And you're like, well, how is that even possible? It's positionally crucified, but practically you're still required to walk in the new man, which is created by the Holy Spirit, which is your new spirit and not in the flesh. Because the old nature is rebellious. The old nature is opposed to God. And the new nature is righteous. And the new nature is submitted to God. And that's the conflict you have every single day. It's just like, wow. Yep, that's not even, we're not even diving deep into theology. Or Here's how it goes. The old you, the new you, yay. It's just that straightforward and simple. And you think, well, why? Why do we yield the other direction? Because we make a decision to let certain influences direct us. We just talked about yesterday about how temptation, the temptation in and of itself is not the sin. It's what you do with the temptation that makes it go from temptation to sinfulness. And that's where you say to your old nature, okay, let's do it. And that's when you agree with the wrong things and they drive you to the wrong places. Get that? All right. We are breaking now, right? Okay. The trivia for the question, who is the person? So Paul watered this person, uh, or Paul planted this person watered, but God gave the, inc the increase. The answer was Apollos. 
Apollos. I planted, Apollos watered. That's the answer. All right, we'll take our break and then come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Like any person searching for answers, I too have wondered about him. He has a weird sense of humor. If people are seeking wisdom and insight from the great teachers around the world, would they go to David? No, I don't think so. Those big ears really don't help. Will people enjoy his perspective on culture, politics, food, sports, and local and national news? I don't know. He's just a client. Tune in to the David Spoon Experience on KAAM. The David Spoon Experience. And that hope that is offered to us is something that's supposed to greatly encourage us. Uh, Jesus brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Through the gospel that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and three days later he rose again. And by faith in the testimony of God, you can live forever. That hope is offered to us. If that hope is offered to you and you have not yet accepted, acknowledged, and surrendered to it, I ask you to do so right this second. I don't even care if you do a fancy prayer. Just say, God, save me in Jesus' name. You will be saved. If you believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross, was buried three days later, he rose again, and you surrender your heart to Jesus Christ, turning from where you were and turning to him, you will find life right now. You might be out there thinking, there's no way it can be that easy. Wrong, but you have to receive it. You have to surrender to it. You have to acknowledge God's testimony and say yes to Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what the world says. Doesn't matter what your friends say. Doesn't matter what any other family member says. It only matters for your decision before God in regards to his testimony relating to Jesus Christ and your sins. And that's the hope that is offered to us. And we can be greatly encouraged by that. And that hope is an anchor to our soul. That anchor makes it so that even if the winds are heavy and the waves are intense, we don't get tossed and lost. That there is some stability. That there is some, there is some strength. And you can't be like those people that have no hope. They have, they're, they're, oh, all there is is this life and there's nothing else. That's why they're trying to sin their brains out because they don't think there's anything else left. But they're going to die and face God. And he's going to ask regarding his, his account that he's given in relationship to Jesus Christ. And they're going to have to answer. And if they have rejected, then they will be as they have placed themselves as people with no hope. But if you're a person that has not made that decision to say yes to Jesus Christ, make that decision right now. And if you can't shout sight, you'll have to face a penalty. As with oh, welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAMN 770, the truth station here in Texas, where your yes is yes. And your no is no. And if you don't know the difference, you're deceiving yourself. Ah, there you go. Uh, we have our next trivia question, and it is... Now, look, the answer is one, two, three, or four. 
So you got a 25% chance. In how many Gospels does the parable of the sower appear? That's still a good question. In how many Gospels does the parable of the sower appear? Have you noticed that the definite trend on our trivia today is much higher? Right? Yeah. Well, sometimes you got to put out the the harder material so you can get the brain cooking, and then tomorrow you come in, and then people see that they've really grown. That's the goal. If you want to, by the way, you can reach out to us, 972-445-0770. There's that 445 thing. 972-445-0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483, or you can send an email, david at hemusincrease.org. How many, in how many Gospels does the parable of the sower appear? All right, now I have a joke, and I understand that yesterday we taught on adultery, okay? So just, it's a joke, people. If this offends you, then you can ask God to, A, give you a sense of humor, or B, just love me anyway. One of those two. Ready? All right. You ready for this? Three men die in a car accident and meet Jesus himself at the pearly gates. Remember, folks, it's a joke. This is not theology. The Lord spoke to them and said, I will ask you each a simple question. If you tell the truth, I will allow you to enter in heaven. But if you lie, hell is waiting for you. To the first man, the Lord asked, how many times did you cheat on your wife? The man replied, Lord, I was a good husband. I never cheated on my wife. The Lord replied, very good. Not only will I allow you in, but for being a faithful to your wife, I will give you a huge mansion and a limo for your transportation. Nice. Second man the Lord asked, said, how many times did you cheat on your wife? The second man replied, Lord, I cheated on my wife twice. The Lord replied, I will allow you to come in, but but for your unfaithfulness, you will get a four-bedroom house and a BMW. To the third man, the Lord asked, so how many times did you cheat on your wife? The third man replied, Lord, I, I cheated on my wife a bunch of times. The Lord replied, I will allow you to come in, but for your unfaithfulness, you will get a one-bedroom apartment and a Yugo for your transportation. A couple hours later, the second, third man saw the first man crying his eyes out. Why are you crying? The two men asked. You got the mansion and the limo. The first man replied, I'm crying because I saw my wife a little while ago, and she was riding a skateboard. Come on. Is that a good joke? That is a good joke, isn't it? Oh, I liked it. Yeah, that's a good joke. People are like, that's not right. Okay. I mean, shame on you, David. Yeah, shame on me. And how many Gospels does the parable of the sower... She was riding a skateboard. <laughs> and how many Gospels does the parable of the sower appear? That is the question. If you think you know the answer, 972-445-0770. Or you can text in 214-210-8483 or send an email, david, at hemustincrease.org. We are discussing the tension within. And you're thinking, uh, it's a pretty intense... You know, subject in and of itself. Yeah, it is. It's hard. I think people are dishonest about sometimes the the struggle. And I'm not just talking about your besetting sin, which is the very sin you just thought of when I said the phrase besetting sin, because I don't know what your besetting sin is. What I know is that we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And as the Lord is working on us and reflecting on us, according to 2 Corinthians 3.18, he is chiseling out in us. Glory by glory, or step by step, us to reflect more and more the image of Jesus Christ. That means that the old us is being chiseled away, the new us is being strengthened, but that process is still real. 
and it has its moments and its difficulties. And that should just we should just be willing to go, yeah, it does have those moments. Instead of trying to make it something it's not, let's make it what it is. Walking in the flesh, walking in the old man, walking opposed to God, walking as the rebellious man is not a good thing. Walking in the new man, not walking, but walking in the Holy Spirit, walking in the righteous Jesus, walking submitted to God is the right thing. And here's the worst part that you're just not going to like about this, and I can't change it. I, I'm not able to alter it. And that is this. You choose where you're going to walk. <laughs> That's what's... What's mind-blowing is that we can make decisions to walk the right in the right way if we choose to. You think, well, how, where is that? Okay. Romans chapter 6, verse 11 through 14. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, okay, getting a conclusion. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. The Lord makes it very clear, though we don't really want to hear this part of it, is look, there's an old you and a new you. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, when you walk with the Lord, because you acknowledge, surrendered, yielded to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. You are able to walk in a way that glorifies God and honors him. And you know it's true because from time to time you walk and you're like, you know what's right. You know what's righteous and you're doing fine. It's almost like you're not necessarily walking on the water, but you get that sense that you're walking right. And then there's that other part of you that's walking wrong, and you, every little thing triggers it, and every little thing gets you upset, and or every little thing gets your, your blood running, or whatever the case may be. And Paul, through the Holy Spirit, writing the book of Romans, people goes, well, that was positional. Sure it was. No, it wasn't. That's ridiculous. This is what he's going through, because we all go through it. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. you got to count yourself that way, and then it says, don't. Let sin reign in your body, which means it can. And then it says, do not offer the parts of yourself as instruments of wickedness, but offer yourself to God. You can offer yourself to whoever you want to. To Satan or to God. I mean, I don't know where Bob Dylan is now, but when he wrote, you got to serve somebody, that was was great. Because it's true. You're either going to serve your flesh, the devil, the world, or you're going to serve God. Not the same. You can't do it. You can't be a friend of the world. Because if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. That ain't going to work out for you. But our bodies are considered instruments. And actually, in the New King James, in the subsection where it gives you the alternate translations, it says uh, weapons, which I kind of like. So you can be a weapon of wickedness or a weapon of righteousness. And that really gives you a clearer picture on when you surrender to sin and let it have mastery over you, you become a a weapon of wickedness and you advance darkness, period. When you surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit and offer yourself as a weapon of righteousness, you advance the kingdom of light. But you choose 
where you're going to go and you're going to worry going to even drop that. You do that. And so there's that dis, 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 definite distinction between position and practice. Positionally, the old you it's crucified. Practically, you have to walk in that new you. And again, that example that we use is an excellent example. Jesus redeemed all of us Christians from the penalty of the law. Thousands of years have gone by, and people are still dying, even though they're Christians. So the law has been eradicated from a positional point of view, but from a practical point of view, the full redemption of that's not taken place because the trumpet hasn't blown and Jesus hasn't made that call yet, and people still die. That's what it is. It's just like, oh, okay, there, that, that's how it goes. It's kind of like, I think this is not the worst illustration. It's kind of like uh, you get an inheritance, Right. So in the inheritance, you get a monthly amount, monthly amount, monthly amount until it matures and you get the whole thing. Okay, that's what people don't understand. That. So you get, you know, you get $1,000 a month, $1,000 a month for 10 years. And then when you turn 50, you get the whole lump sum. That's what it is. This <laughs> is like only this is real stuff, kingdom stuff, eternal stuff. That's the way to think of it in, in those terms. So the the... Well, it's not a stipend, but the allowance, <laughs> that would be how you'd say it. The allowance is a definition or a proof of what's coming in the future, which is why the Scripture makes reference that the Holy Spirit now is a deposit of that which is to come. So now you kind of get that—hopefully you get that reference. But in the meantime, you can outspend your inheritance monthly allowance and go in debt the wrong way. Ah, that's a good illustration. I never thought of that before. So the idea behind this is that you will offer yourself to the kingdom that you are looking to advance, and you, whether you want to get away from it or not, doesn't matter. You choose which kingdom you will advance every day by where you offer yourself as an instrument or a weapon to, either to the Lord in the kingdom of light and righteousness or to your flesh in the kingdom of darkness in the world and the enemy, period. It's like, ooh, a lot of power there, huh? Ouch. Trivia question. How many gospels does the parable of the sower appear? And the answer is the same amount for a Tootsie, pull, a tootsie Roll pop that the owl gave us. One, two, three. The answer is three. There you go. All right, folks, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the true station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. The David Spoon Experience. I am such a sinner. Not just a sinner. I am such a sinner. I'm like the biggest sinner ever. That's how I felt. And then it was the understanding that God really cared about me. And therein lies the key. Because God did care. He does care. And it's the same for you. You're listening to me. He does care. And that pain you're going through, it makes him weep. 
And you might think, well, you can't back that up spiritually or scripturally. Yes, I can. John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. Not for Lazarus. Lazarus was getting up in five minutes, but all the grief and the pain around him. Come on. God has a heart. His heart's bigger than your heart. So here's part of the things that I, I mean, I'm skipping, I'm skipping light years. I'm just going past it. But it's like when that guy started crying and I started getting mad and then he said it was, this is how the Lord feels for you. And this is the, the Lord's heart for you. It just showed me I'm so hard hearted. I'm, I'm like, a, I'm like, a, I'm like a, a, a rock, but not in a good way. You know, I'm like a, like a dumb rock. Like, oh man, what's the matter with me? And so, you know what he did when he was done doing that? Because now I'm gone, right? Because now, you, how do you think after after that happens, how do you think I feel? Okay. So now I'm like, please pray for me. <laughs> That's right. Because I'm just lost. And he prays for me. And it's powerful. It's like, you know, it's unbelievable. It's just really, very, really powerful. Here's the thing that leads up to it. Now, are we ready? Cause, and that is the, the powerful point, especially when he cried. But it turns out that I went to that church for a little while. You want to hear something absolutely, positively, mind-blowing, amazing? Three months later on a Sunday night, I was preaching in that church. And I was preaching Romans 1.16, the very first thing I ever taught in my life. In that church, in Pastor David Huntsworth Church, Abundant Life in Dillon, Colorado. And I'll tell you one thing that I hope you really hear. And that is that one experience so affected me, I was never the same person again. It just showed me that God really does care. We're pretty hard-hearted. Yeah, we're kind of, we're mashugi from time to time. Not God. He's totally awesome. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAMAN 770, the truth station here in Texas, where I'm still not recovered from the second segment where I almost went out five minutes early. (laughs) I'm supposed to let things like that go. Oh, I will. I'll let it go. You know what? I'll let it go. Take 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 a guess. Fire away. After the show? Way after the show. <laughs> Not after the show. Way after the show. Okay. Hey, doing my best. All right, here we go. Uh, who sold a field in the book of Acts and gave all the money to the apostles? Who sold a field in the book of Acts? And gave all the money to the apostles. If you think you know the answer to that, we would encourage you to call in at 972-445-0770. We would also encourage you, if you want to, to text like our good friend Kirk did just now, nailing all trivia, just nailing it down, down all the way down the line, uh, 214-210-8483. If you want to text, you can also send an email, david at org, and unashamedly, we will also 
remind you about the website where we need financial support to keep the ministry going. Uh, if you can't do it, we get it, but we certainly expect some prayer from time to time. So we ask you to check it out, check things out at hemustincrease.org. Prayer request? Hemustincrease.org. Praise report? Hemustincrease.org. Looking to give to this ministry? Hemustincrease.org. Confused by what's happening right now? Hemustincrease.org. Hemustincrease.org. <laughs> so, I just see you like jumping off a cliff. Ah! Dot org. <laughs> All right, trivia question. It's funny because I have these pictures of you like going up to a dock and then jumping. You're like jumping. We used to live on a lake and there was a dock. You'd jump off and ah! off that a splash to the end of it. <laughs> All right. Kirk is saying, hey, you got to forget the things that are behind. Press forward the things that are before. I know. <laughs> I will at some point as soon as I tell oh God how happy I was about it. Uh, no, I'll do a better job. Here we go. Who, uh, who sold the field and gave all their money to the apostles? That is the trivia question. Let's see if you can answer that. In the meantime, we do have a little bit of history. So let's uh, rock and roll with history. Let's go Now, I will say, I, I really like one of these I'm going to do, just, you know, because it's so funny. It's such a classic. But first and foremost, it's uh, Curry Chicken Day, which is like, okay, yeah, that's fine, right? That's all right with that? All right. I'm on board. All right. Uh, National Poetry Day, Poetry at Work Day. I don't know why it has to be Poetry at Work. I don't I don't know if why that is if I'm not following that. National Hot Tea Day. I am a big tea drinker, as you may uh, have assessed. And the National Pharmacist Day as well. Uh, two things to make note of. One is just huge. I will say the first one is big enough. Uh, 1966, the Batman, the TV series debuted. And that's the show with Adam West as Batman and Ward as Robin, for those of you that do not know. Just to give you a kind of a who's who on that who played the roles in that. Burgess Meredith, Cesar Romero, Julie Newmar, Eartha Kitt, Roddy McDowell, Art Carney, Shelley Winters, Vincent Price, Liberace, Merton Burrell, and Shaja Gabor were some of them. I mean, that is like, that is the, that is the line, 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 line up way, way up there. Uh, George Barris created and patented the Batmobile, one of the coolest things ever. I think people would agree with that. And uh, the episode I keep thinking about is when they did a movie and Batman was hanging from a helicopter on a uh, on a ladder, one of those just, you know, kind of uh, roll-up ladders, and a shark was getting him, and he went for his utility belt, and it said, shark repellent. <laughs> I mean, he's Batman. I mean, come on. And then here's my one of my favorite things, and it's because my dad was really into tennis, and then I uh, played a little competition tennis when I was younger, much younger, not older. And uh, one of the favorite things, in 1980 on this day, the nobody beats Vetus Gerolitis 17 times in a row statement came out. After losing 16 matches to Jimmy Connors, Vetus Gerolitis finally won a match, commenting on the win and said, and let that be the lesson to all of you, nobody beats Vetus Gerolitis 17 17 times in a row. <laughs> Showed him. <laughs> that might be one of the best. <laughs> Nobody beats me 17 times in a row. Only 16. All right. Uh, the trivia question. 
Uh, who sold the field in the book of Acts and gave all the money to the apostles? Who did that, if you think you know? Uh, Al wants to know if the, the Batman was in the sh- – was it the shark not Sharknado? The Sharknado. <laughs> NATO things. I'm not sure they had a crossover. Uh, no crossover there, huh? Okay. All right, let's get back to this. We're talking about the old man and the new man, and uh, just trying to understand what uh, hap- happens there, what's that process. And we've already talked about the reality that there is an old man. Uh, uh, positionally, the old man is crucified. We know that from Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. But practically, uh, uh, we get to understand a little bit that there is a warfare, continual warfare going on even now. And the idea behind this, especially when you get into Galatians, or sorry, not Galatians, but Romans chapter 6, verse 11 through 14, is that you are a big part of how your walk goes, whether you're walking in the flesh or in the spirit, whether you're walking in the rebellious man or the submissive man, whether you're walking opposed to God or in a righteous attitude of surrender to God. You have a choice in that. You have a play in that. You have a decision in that. It's not based on your feelings. It's based on your decision, your power to decide. And God has granted that to you. And so we want to give you a tool that I think is one of the best tools. I want you to follow the sequence of thought here. One of the best tools in understanding how to encourage you or give you a step up in walking in the new man versus the old man. There's going to be a way that we can function. And you have to know that some of this answer is going to come somehow in in a form of a devotional life. In other words, you can't sit there and think, you know, I'm going to take a pill, besides the gospel, I'm going to take a pill, and that's going to make me walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. It's like, that's never, that's not how it goes. Here's how it goes. Colossians chapter 3, verse 7 through 10, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things, things like anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, here it is, which is being renewed. Oh, this is my new self and it's being renewed. How? In knowledge, in knowledge, in knowing and understanding, in the image of its creator. What the scripture teaches us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, and especially verse 9 and 10, is you get to put off the old self, or you get to put off uh, the bad you, and you get to put on the new you, and the new you gets to be renewed or regenerated. It's funny because the old you doesn't need any help at all. (laughs) The old you's just there being lousy. But the new you needs to be renewed. It needs to be refreshed. It needs to be uh, zapped. You know, give you a little... And you find that in the knowledge of the image of the creator. Now, just stop. Okay? Because we say these things and we go, sure, yeah. Where do we find the knowledge of the image of God? Do we find it in a fortune cookie? No. Do we find it in sleeping longer? No. Do we find... No. You know where we find the image the knowledge of the image of God. Where do you find the knowledge of the image of God? In the Bible. 
Bible. It's not going to tell you the. It's not a brilliant thing. It's not the you know, theology six hundred. This is like okay. Where do you find out what God's image is about and who He's about in His Word? And you think that's what do you mean? The knowledge that's according to God's image. Where's that knowledge that's according to God's image in the Bible? What's what's the problem? Does that mean you have to be a Bible study person in the sense that you have to do a Bible study every time? No, that's not what it's saying. But you need to know what God has to say because of three major reasons. One, it's called the Word of God. So you want to know what God has to say. Follow the sequence. Then you want to read his Word because it's what he has to say. Number two. In that, the Holy Spirit has written. If you read it, you find out the Holy Spirit wrote that book. You think, oh, man, wrote that book. I know that your God is that ineffective and small. I'm sorry. My God is not. I appreciate that. But my God's bigger. He created the universe. He can write a book. And the point behind that is that book is inspired and directed and guided by the Holy Spirit. There's a reason for that. That's the new spirit that you're supposed to be walking in. So when you read the Bible, you're connecting your revived born-again spirit with the Holy Spirit because it's what the Holy Spirit says and what God has to say. And you're like going, wait a second, this is making a difference. Yes, it's making a difference. Yes. And so what we do is we, we, we approach it and we say, well, you have to have this. Or you got to do this kind of study or this kind of no, We stick with the BFN theory and we think the BFN theory is the best. Get your big fat nose in the book. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if you listen to it. I don't care if you read it. I don't care if you uh, put do one verse at a time. I don't care if you read one verse a thousand times. Who, who cares? Just know what God has to say so you can have the knowledge of the image of the one created you running around your heart and mind. Who sold a field in the book of Acts and gave all the money to the apostles? That would be our good friend Barnabas. Barnabas is the one who did that. All right, we'll take our break, and then we will come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. KAAM Radio Show with your very own David Spoon is not a business, but a nonprofit ministry first and foremost committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and strategically equipping the saints. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Christian believers, the hurting, and those not yet believers who need biblical truths. To continue our radio ministry and message of truth, we need many of our faithful listeners to support us, as well as ministry partners who might wish to sponsor the He Must Increase ministry. By giving, you wonderfully facilitate our priorities of assertively teaching the Word of God, and you get nothing in return. No quid pro quo. Nothing but a receipt at year-end indicating you gave to us since your donation is 100% tax-deductible. Remember that it says in Corinthians that whoever sows generously will also reap generously, or in Proverbs where it teaches that a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But if you cannot give, no problem. Continue to enjoy and learn and give however you see fit whenever you can. 
To support us, go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Such support is terribly appreciated, knowing it enables our beloved David Spoon to give to all of us his time, energy, like so few can, right here on KAAM. What is the David Spoon experience? Oh, no, it's not on his tail. It's on his face. I've ruined it. Oh, no. Well, that's okay, though. Somebody else will come along and get it right. Thanks for coming to my birthday party, Stewie. Oh, I wouldn't have missed it for anything. I've never been to a party before. Want to watch me blow out the candles? I would love to see that. And gosh, Bobby, I'd love to play with some of your birthday toys, but only after you've played with them and only if you say it's okay. The Christian faith is being attacked. Fifty years ago, people would disagree with Christianity, but with a sense of respect. Those days are over. The rage, the flesh, the enemy, and the atmosphere of sin is growing and growing. Jesus said in Matthew 24, the love of many will grow cold. And if it's not the end now, it's certainly a lot closer than it was yesterday. You may be from a Baptist background. David Spoon has that. You may have a Pentecostal background. He has that too. You may have a non-denominational background. Yep, he's got that as well. You may be from the Church of Christ, Presbyterian, Methodist, Church of God, or some other denomination. But if you're looking for a show that's Bible-based, spirit-led, and a bit nutty, give David a listen for a while. If you like it, great. If not, no worries. The David Spoon Experience on God Country, Texas, 770 KAAM. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Getting ready to do our final trivia question. Here we go. Which Old Testament prophet, this is in line with yesterday's, which Old Testament prophet was appointed to uproot and tear down, destroy and and overthrow, build, and plant. So six things there, right? Uproot, tear down, destroy, and overthrow. Four bad ones. To build and to plant. The only thing I would tell you is it is one of the major prophets. So that should give you a little bit of ability to track it down. If you think you know the answer, you want to call 972 445 0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483 or send an email david at he must increase.org. We've got anything yet so far? Oh, oh, somebody calling in. Well, got our first call in for the day. Hey, that's part of fun. Uh, we will be getting back to the text here. Ooh, Kirk not wanting to get left less out of there. Great job, by the way, Kirk, today. Very, very good work. Uh, and I just want everybody to so show that's uh, the one of the Old Testament prophets, again, you can still text in. Somebody's on the phone calls. We'll have to see. Uh, you can text in 214-210-8483, and then you can send an email still. Uh, which Old Testament prophet, one of the major prophets, was appointed uh, to uproot, tear down, destroy, and overthrow, to build, and to plant? We think we have somebody are they answering the trivia question. Here we go. Here we go. This is David. Who am I talking to? Hello, David. This is Deborah. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Deborah. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. 
Okay, this is not this is not easy. So it's a good, but it's a good question because people need to understand that there's some of these things take place not just in a nation, but in, even in an individual's life, so to speak. So who who profit from the Old Testament? Who was the one who was appointed to uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow, and then to build and to plant? Well, I'm probably wrong, but I thought it was Jeremiah. You are correct again! Oh, yay! The world's greatest guesser is on the phone. I just want to say you are doing an excellent job when you do that. I love when you do that. You are absolutely <laughs> correct. Was that your first gut reaction? Like, that sounds like a Jeremiah. Yes, yes, it was. Good call. Excellent work. Excellent, excellent. Awesome! You're our, you're our big caller right. for the day, and we appreciate it. All right. Well, y'all have a good afternoon. All right. Thanks. God bless you. God bless. Bye-bye. All right. There we go. Okay. Okay. Got that done. Okay. Let's go back to the text here. I want to just do kind of a recap if I can. A lot of people, I know they have a hard time with this, and and, uh, there's even some material and even a couple of really fancy pastors. I said fancy pastors. I didn't say anything else. Uh, Who are like, oh, no, there's no old nature. It was crucified. It's like, boy, is your theology young. Anyway, uh, here's how we would understand it. The old you is positionally crucified, but the old you has not been practically eradicated for good yet, because glorification has not yet happened. How you know that's accurate is people still die, even though Jesus redeemed us from the penalty of the law. What's the penalty of the law? Death. Okay, so, all right, so that part's cool, and we understand that inside of us, there's conflict inside, and we have to fight our way through from time to time because we recognize there's a war inside of us. In fact, Paul wrote, in another place, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. Three times he uses are, 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 not was, 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 you know, it's like are. Current, 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 current. And so the idea behind that is you and I have that opportunity to walk in the flesh or in the spirit, in the old man, in the new man, in a rebellion to God or in a a righteous place to God, in an opposition to God or in a submission to God. And Romans 6, 11 through 14 says, hey, you choose. Make a choice. Make a good choice. Don't make a bad choice. You get to find out in the rest of Romans 6, making a bad choice ends up with bad results. Do you get to choose which direction you're going to go? If you're going to walk in the newness or you're going to walk in the oldness. One thing that people rarely say, and I actually think they should say it. I'm just going to, is, you know, if any man is in Christ, uh, he's a new creation. The old creation is past. The new creation is, is there, is, is present. But what it says is if any man is in Christ. Yeah, well, what if any man is not in Christ that day? Okay, that's all I'm asking. Then it's a lot of old stuff. And that's why when you go visit the old neighborhood, it's always as bad as it ever was. The new neighborhood, the spirit-filled neighborhood, is the one that we're supposed to be consciously making a decision to walk in. And we find out from Colossians 3, 7 through 10 that the way you keep the new man refreshed is the uh, where we find the knowledge that's according to God's image. And where do you find the knowledge that's according to God's image? It is a book. 
Well, you find that's where you find out. Now, you certainly find some of that out from prayer and communion, and you certainly find out some of that from fellowship, and you certainly find out some of that from serving and from giving and from participating. But if we're going to the core, where you find the knowledge of the image of God is in Genesis 1, 1 to Revelation 22, 21. I'm not trying to make that weird. I'm actually trying to make it easy. It's like it's in the book. Does that mean it has to be a particular version? You guys know better than that. Jesus quoted the Septuagint, which was a translation of the Hebrew Bible, 92% of the time. Nobody, nobody talking about that. Here's the bottom line. Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. There are times where we need the Holy Spirit to come in and refresh our heart and our minds. There's times where we need to embrace within ourselves the, the discipline to read the Word of God so that the freshness of the Holy Spirit, which wrote the Word of God, can touch base with our spirit and our new man can be revived. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. You understand that Jesus has equated the Word of God with bread. Bread sustains the physical man. The word of God sustains the spiritual man. Okay. I mean, it's not, again, this is not to, to belittle anybody. It's not, it's just saying this is how the direction we got to go in. And I, I, I feel bad in this context. We have said many times for many years in the church, just read your Bible, just read your Bible. And it's like, they don't tell anybody why. It's like, well, that's great. What does that do? Well, we need to explain why that's important. I'll just tell people to do it. And then if you read the Bible and you get nothing from it, you're not mixing it with faith. Some people read the Bible, they don't believe it's the Word of God. Guess what they're going to get out of that? Nothing. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, all Scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Of course, what we skip on that is that God's every scripture is God-breathed. Where's the first time we find God breathing into something? Wasn't that Adam where it says, and God breathed into him the breath of life? And then what happened after God breathed into him? He became alive. So you have your spirit that is dead because of the sinful nature, and God breathes into it, and it's alive. And when you process the word of God, it's that same breath that went into Adam that goes into the scripture that goes into you through the scripture, and then your spirit goes, ding, I'm alive. So it's like our breath. It's like our food. This is pretty theological stuff, huh? It's like it's kind of up there, right? The idea behind this is for you and I to grasp there's something beneficial. Now, I recognize that not every time you read the Bible, it goes great. Don't <laughs> you have to tell me. I mean, I understand that. But there are many times where you read the Word of God and you come out and you go, whoa, what just happened? And you've had that happen, too. Or you've been searching for something or looking for something. You read the scripture and it's just like it it highlights off the page and bounces in your face. You're like, whoa! That's a cool thing. That's a good thing. That's an important part of this. 
And in regards to trans people, are, you know, in regards to translation, hey, which one do you utilize that draws you closer in? Use that one. <laughs> well, should it be literal or should it? It shouldn't be a paraphrase because that's not actually a translation. I think that's fair. Okay, but everything else, if you're using it and it's drawing you in, yay! I mean, that's the point. The point is to draw closer to the Lord in the process, and nobody has to say. The one thing that I, I can say is I would not at any point understand 95% of this stuff if I was not having my BFN in the book. I mean, that is just absolutely true. Knowing what God has to say helps me balance out. In fact, the best testimony for Scripture is Scripture, and it helps you balance it out. Even Jesus, when Jesus said to Satan, when Satan tried to get him to abuse the word, Jesus said, it is also written. It's like, there's the also part. Got to know that part, too. Does that mean you should use that as Bible bullets? No. But you should use that as, you know, Bible wisdom and know how to engage and know what God is communicating and so on and so forth. You find out if you really get into the Word, he already wrote tomorrow's headlines. You just haven't read them yet. Oh, bazinga! That's a good one right there. Come on, he already wrote tomorrow's headlines. Would you like to ask him? A lot of theology, a lot to take in, but important information for you and I to understand. Walk in the new man. Keep the new man revived by making sure that the Word of God richly dwells inside of you. Okay? All right. You've been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Taking a 22 and a half hour break. Then we'll come back. More Insanity with Spinanity. Talk to you then. The views expressed on the preceding program were those of the speakers and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.